This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, SiriusXM Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ken Smethers a professor here in the Wharton campus in Philadelphia. New episodes of the show premiere every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We're still not taking live calls. That's unfortunate. Hopefully that will change as more vaccines roll out and so forth. But if you're looking for a fee-only advisor that I like, you can always go to my website, kentonmoney.com. And this month, as you probably know, is Women's History Month, so we thought it would be a good time to have another discussion about the particular financial challenges that women face. And this includes often uh, earning uh, less than men on average or taking uh, breaks from their careers. Those two are sometimes related. And then, of course, outliving men, as my wife reminds me often that she will well outlive me. And so these all create obstacles, of course, to uh, having solid financial security. So my guest this week is Carol uh, Petroff, who is the Vice President and Senior Relationship Manager at Kendall uh, Capital and is a co-author of a book due out next month called Middle Class Millionaire Women, and in particular coming out in early April. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you for having me, Kent. And we alluded to some of the challenges, especially that women face, you know, uh, just a second ago, but just, you know, Give us a bigger overview here. You know, women in particular, often they were not part of the financial planning process, you know, a couple of decades ago. It's so great to see them part of that conversation uh, and being part of, you know, the planning uh, process, especially, you know, uh, how much you know they now participate in the labor force and, and so forth. But still, they face a lot of challenges. And so why is it especially important for women uh, to uh, understand their uh, take on personal finance, financial management, really be part of that family conversation. Well, I think it's it's so important because for many women, about a third of the households out there, women are already managing the household budget. So it's important yeah. that they include things like disciplined savings strategies, whether it's just building up that emergency fund or uh, saving for longer term goals, like helping to pay for their kids' college. Um, but in the long run, think about it as, as women are living longer, so they are naturally uh, poised to inherit much of the wealth uh, here in our country, certainly over the next 20 or 30 years. And so if women can start learning how to manage their own monies, uh, they're certainly working and, and building their own wealth, but imagine how much more confident they'll feel in their 80s and 90s if they've already had some of this knowledge. Yeah, and certainly yeah, in a lot more, you know, career uh, single women, or as you mentioned, women who inherit health either through death, divorce, or so forth. Uh, but even, you know, a lot of evidence shows that as part of the marriage itself, just talking about money, I mean, and having both in the conversation is pretty important for even just the, the marriage itself, right? Yes, I think so. I, we, we work with a lot of couples and we find that 
often they, they divide and conquer, right? They have different roles and responsibilities, but we always encourage the, the wives to attend the meetings, to at least understand basically how their assets are owned, uh, how they work, how they can tap into them when they need to. And if they don't wanna be the primary go, you know, go-to person about investments, that's fine, but they should at least be uh, part of the conversations, part of those review meetings. Yeah, I mean, we know so much of marriages, unfortunately, when they fail, they often fail for re reasons related to finances and different views that men and women often have in marriage that often don't get discussed before marriage. It's a great to have that premarital counseling to talk about money mm -hmm. uh, be before before marriage. So let's talk about kind of the life cycle of, you know, uh, economists here. So we talk about life cycles and uh, mm -hmm. the life cycle of uh, starting with earlier women, uh, younger women and, and, and so on. So let's think about women who a woman who's just out of college, starting her first job, starting to save, starting to invest. You know, our, you know, we often say, hey, set up that employer-based 401k, get the free match, and all those types of things. Are, you know, what are the goals that she should be thinking through? What are the steps she should think through? And is there any difference between the fact that she's a female versus a male in terms of that planning at that stage? That's a great question. I, I think the biggest difference is that at a very early age, women can be taught to take care of themselves and be able to be their mm -hmm. own, uh, have their own support system around them. So I encourage young women to start building up that emergency fund, you know, start to save up so they have, you know, three to six months of living expenses in case they want to, you know, pick up and move to another town, you know, take a job opportunity elsewhere, or in case of emergency, something goes wrong and they, they need to tap into that savings account. Um, but also in today's world, when young people tend to bounce around from job to job, they may have 401k opportunities, and that's great to take advantage of. But if they don't, they can start their own Roth IRA. Um, I find the Roth is, is highly underutilized, um, often uh, confused, and it's like the greatest, I call it the emergency, emergency fund. You know, it's a great way for people to start their own savings and investing at an early age, regardless of where they work, and especially if they are juggling several jobs. For example, many young women I know, you know, they have two or three gigs and they're just beginning to figure out what their passions are. So there's no reason they couldn't start their own savings. Yeah, often we think of the Roth as kind of a barbell approach in age where you want to use it when yet you're young and you're in that low income tax bracket and maybe even on the other side when you're older mm -hmm. and you retire before age 72, the you know, required minimum distributions, often that's the case to start paying some of those taxes before you hit the RMBs. And so, yeah, I completely agree. It's often uh, a great strategy, especially for younger um uh, people. So let's talk about married women now. So it's, it's, it's someone get, she gets married and, you know, uh, there's certainly things that she wants to be thinking about. What are some of the things that you recommend for someone maybe who's just married? Well, if you're, I guess here it depends on when you get married. So of course, a lot of women are getting married later on when they've already had their, had some career, had their bank accounts, 
and built up credit. But I think that's the first yeah. layer is making sure if you are young and uh, getting married, that you do at least establish your own credit cards, uh, maybe get a car loan, something that's in your own name. That's very important to do. And also have your own checking account. I mean, there's just something mm. about being able to have some say in at least some of the monies that you're involved in. And, and it's, it's also on the other end of the spectrum, some of the best advice I've heard from my clients is, you know, we were married for 30 years. I never thought we'd get divorced. And when I realized it was coming down the pike, I couldn't even write a check to a lawyer without him knowing about it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I yeah, learned a I lot know, from my right. clients. And um, that's one of those stories we tell about in our book. It's uh, it's just one of those moments when when life hits you with a curveball. Yeah. And many of the households still, you know, it, the, you have a, a male uh, primary earner and maybe the savings account, the checking account only in his name. It's, and especially since, you know, men tend to die sooner than women. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a chore to go through probate. It's at least nice that if her name's at least on that account, um, even if it's joint in that case, uh, to uh, make it a little bit easier to get access to needed funds uh, without having to go through all the probate and so forth. You mentioned divorce. I mean, it's one of the really tragic uh, things. I think one of the biggest things that women often face is that they are, regardless of the reasons for better or for worse, they are the ones who are, are the ones who drop out of the labor force to help with children. And then sometimes, you know, they, they face divorce, which is a, especially a bummer when they've, you know, a lot of their human capital being out of the workforce has, you know, become less competitive o o over time. So what are some things that you're, you recommend for a, a woman who's maybe been out of the workforce five, six years, you know, raised children and now she's facing mm -hmm. divorce? Well, when I, when I know women who are out of the workforce to raise children, I encourage them and their husbands to add to a spousal IRA or spousal Roth IRA, yeah. whichever makes the most sense given their tax brackets. Um, just because you're out of the workforce doesn't mean you should miss out on those years of saving and compounded yeah. growth. I mean, you know how important that is, right, Kent? Right. It's just time that that slips by. Um, so hopefully they've done that, and hopefully she's been meeting with that financial planner or advisor, uh, again, just to understand what assets are, are there in her name or in joint name. And then the other aspect I'd say is to understand your net worth. I mean, that value that that woman brought to the family by, by coming out of the workforce and staying at home and driving the kids around to sports and to to music lessons and helping them with homework. I mean, that is definitely tangible. And I certainly hope that uh, that she will get good advice from a divorce attorney or work with a um, certified divorce financial analyst. That's another professional to help mm -hmm. understand how the assets could be divided uh, to help her, you know, get another, get a fresh start when this is all yeah. said and done with. Yeah, and the spousal IRA in particular, for a lot of people haven't heard of it, but if you're, you know, a married couple filing uh, jointly in your modified adjustable gross income is less than a 
$198,000 will be the limit for this year in 2021, then you can actually set up that spousal IRA for a non-working spouse. Um, so let's talk about uh, a big hot issue in economics literature, and that is women in investing. In particular, um, there's been a large literature showing that you know women tend to be more adverse to risk taking, and you know uh, the, the result itself is not so much the debated; it's more the reasons behind it that's still being debated. Um, do you see this? Uh, working its way into investing. Do you see more conservative approaches desired by females for investing? Some people have said that on average that holds women back because they're going to get lower returns on average, even though they're going to less risk. I mean, your thoughts there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think it's about education. I, I think women invest for different reasons. Um, they just have different goals in mind when they're investing. And so they see yeah. their investments as a tool. It's a resource to help accomplish certain goals or, or to give them more choices. And it might not be so much about conservative or aggressive, but more about understanding what's the goal for that particular investment. And, yeah. and I think women just, they don't um, trade as often. You know, they're not into it as much as a man might be for the sake of getting that thrill, you know, picking that great stock. It's just not right. that exciting. They have other things that they do for fun. <laughs> not that yeah. some women don't find this fun, but it's a, it's a huge generalization. And, and I think they just, they don't spend as much time, you know, looking at things on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. But on the other hand, that often works to their advantage because oh, yeah, women yeah. that I work with, they're like, oh, I put that in a 401k and didn't look back. <laughs> so that's right. it often works yeah. out well for them. Yeah, no, that's right. Sometimes, you know, especially if it's uh, some type of a life cycle fund or something like that, you know, it's it, they're not jumping off the ledge when the markets are going down <laughs> and, you know, essentially buying high and selling low, which is often a very male thing. And so there's a reason why so many people yeah. are gambling, are addicted to gambling are in fact males. Um, so, you know, I, I completely agree. I mean, another thing that women face is this, you know, so-called sandwich generation. We talked about caring for the young, but often there are, uh, you know, have parents on the other side who are elderly. And, you know, it's really that it really is a sandwich, you know, caring for the, you know, their, their own kids while caring for their parents. Tough challenges. Some thoughts there of how they can manage that. Yes, it is definitely a, a challenge these days when we see all the time. Um, the, my first bit of advice is to find out if their parents have long-term care insurance. Uh, yeah. And if they do, that they should learn about it, you know, call the carrier, find out how it works and be able to make that part of the plan, you know, how best to utilize that um, insurance policy. And uh, if it doesn't exist, if they don't have that kind of insurance, then it's time to meet with the professionals who manage their assets and to come up with a strategy to cover, you know, how to, how to invest for those near-term expenses, you know, two, three years worth of nursing home costs or, or in-home care costs. I mean, that can be a lot of money, but it doesn't mean that you stop investing for their parents long-term because you know, folks who might have Alzheimer's and dementia could live for 10, 12 years with very high bills. So it's very important to understand how the assets are managed. And in the meantime, 
you know, because the, the nitty gritty, those details fall off into the, the daughter, if she has any brothers nearby, you know, I always encourage them to pitch in, you know, bring over some dinner, hang out with mom and dad so that she can run out and, you know, take a gym class or, or have a regular schedule where she always has a couple nights. She can look forward to a couple of hours of a break. That's a great way for the whole family to pitch in and take care of them. I think that's a fantastic advice. I mean, since I, often there is this guilt complex have to take care of everybody and finding that me time is super important for being able to do everything uh, uh, well and having a spouse, you can really support that. Uh, well, fantastic uh, insights there, uh, Carol. And, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you can learn more about uh, Carol and her terrific work. Again, that was uh, uh, Carol uh, Petroff and she, by going to uh, the website of her company, which is Kendall Capital, uh, which is simply KendallCapital.com. And as I mentioned earlier, Carol is a co-author of a book coming out in early April called Middle Class Millionaire Women. So check it out wherever you buy your books. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.